Good morning. So glad you decided to be here with us uh, today. We're just a few weeks away from the beginning of summer, Memorial Day, the beach. Can I get an amen? Okay, yeah. Uh, all of that good stuff is getting ready to come uh, our way in just a few weeks. Uh, so you can prepare. I want you to know kind of what's coming next so you can uh, share with your friends. You can be prepared yourself. Um, throughout the summer, uh, after Memorial Day, I've been getting request after request after request. People saying, could we, could we do a series on the book of Revelation? And uh, I've resisted that. I'm like, I don't know. <laughs> and so I'm, I've caved and we're going to do that this summer. We're going to do it in three different ways. Um, uh, right at the beginning of the summer, we're going to look at uh, what Jesus is like. The Re- book of Revelation actually paints a picture of what Jesus is like. So if you have friends who you've tried to explain Jesus and how good Jesus is and how beautiful Jesus is and what Jesus does for us and with us, uh, that would be a great series for them to be a part of. Um, and then through the, kind of the middle part of the summer, we're going to talk about the beast how do you kill the beast? Who, what's the beast? How do you resist the beast? Uh, which is kind of our task as Christians in the world. It may not be exactly what you think, so you got to be here for that. And then we're going to close it out as we work our way into the fall uh, about figuring out what kind of church we want to be. There's a whole, that, that whole book is written to different churches, and, uh, and we're going to figure out what kind of church we want to be and what kind of church we want to be a part of and how we can be the perfect church if that even exists. So you have to stick around for that. Um, all the way through the summer... Uh, July the 1st, we're going to have a baptism Sunday. We're going to make it a gigantic party. Uh, You will not want to miss that. If you've been thinking about baptism or someone you know has begun following Jesus, that's a day we want to celebrate with them on Sunday, July the 1st. Over the course of the summer, we're working on um, uh, planning for to launch some small groups in uh, in the fall. So small groups are a way that you can connect with other people, just a few other people, 6, 8, 10, 12, um, so we'll need people who want to lead that in their homes, and you'll hear more about that. We're in the process of interviewing a kids pastor. We've got a couple interviews. Uh, we've had a couple of interviews, and we have a couple more. So we're get, getting down to the wire on hiring someone who will help lead our kids and kids ministry and volunteers. And um, there's just a lot going on. Um, in fact, this just a couple weeks ago, the well that you paid for in the Christmas offering in Katanda, Malawi. Malawi is in South Central Africa. Uh, Katanda is a teeny village, not on the map anywhere. It's between Zomba and Blantyre, Malawi. You know these places, right? And uh, I was born near there in a place called Makwasa, Malawi, at the Maputo Hospital. And um, uh, when I, I, you're like, no, you weren't. Yes, I was. I was born there. Um, but you paid to build a well. So there is a, a whole village of people. Their kids are not going to have to die before the age of five because of diarrhea because they don't have clean water because you built that there. So way to go, right? Um, they, just sent us, they just sent us some videos, some real kind of grainy videos from there. We'll put up, post them up on Facebook so you can see the, see the progress there. But we're planning on, uh, right now, a trip. It's going to be sometime later in the, toward the end of the year. So if you want to be a part of that, you'll hear details about that. I say all that to say uh, that there's just a lot going on over the summer. If you want, uh, there would be a great way you could help with the mission of our church, meeting the needs of, of people and planning for all of that. You can help by automating your giving. Now, let me just tell you, some people think in a church, and like a church this size, oh, you have benefactors who write you big checks. Nope. Uh, it is just what you and I give. My family gives 10% of our income because we don't 
think there's any better place than the local church to give our income. And so we do that. We've done that for years. Uh, a lot of you do the same thing. Um, but in the summer, sometimes people will go, I'm eating ice cream. I'm on the beach. I forgot about you. And you help us by, you can go to reallifecc.org slash give. You can automate that, make it happen in the summer. There you go. That's my speech. I'm done. Okay. Here we go. Week four, uh, a series, boot camp. I'm going to invite you to stand with me. We're going to read a passage of scripture together. This is an interaction Jesus had with his disciples in Matthew chapter 20. Um, This is Jesus talking, and here's what I'd like you to do. We're going to read this entire thing out loud together. Are you ready? Here we go. Jesus, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles lord it over them, and their high officials exercise authority over them. Not so with you. Instead, Whoever wants to become great among you must be your servant, and whoever wants to be first must be your slave. Just as the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. This is the word of the Lord. You may be seated. Thanks so much for standing. Well, I want to have you go back with me in your uh, memory to a time when you were maybe in the third or the fourth grade, and you were in elementary school, and you would go to lunch. Can you picture in your mind the lunch table in your elementary school in the third or fourth grade where you were? If you were like me, you went and you got in line, and you asked the lunch lady uh, by the time you were in fourth grade, I'm big enough, can I have both slices of the pizza? And you would go down and you would, if you were like me, you would get the chocolate milk, because white milk is for weaklings, and you would get the chocolate milk, and then you would go sit down at the table. Can you imagine that? Can you imagine taking the tray, or maybe your mom packed you a lunch, and you would sit down at the thing, and your friends were there, and you would sit down, and you would eat the lunch, and you would, if you were like me, you would eat the lunch as quick as you could, especially when the weather was good, because what happened after lunch, almost university in America, woo, out the door. It was time for recess. Do you remember this? Remember how you would take the tray and you would dump the stuff in the trash and put the silverware down and then you would go running out the door. If if you were like me, you would go run out the door and up the steps and around the kindergarten playground on the front of the school and you'd go into the back and you'd go onto the asphalt and there was the four square right there. Remember four square? Anybody dominate four square like me? I was an unbelievable four square player. I will still crush you. And and you would go there and, and there would be that weird thing in the asphalt that had the that you would throw the ball in and it would come out any direction. I don't know what that was for. It was the stupidest game ever. But it would be there. But if you were like me, you would go past all of that and you would go across the field and you would go all the way to the back of the field with the backstop because at the backstop, at recess, every day, someone would bring the big green or red rubberized ball that if you, no one was looking, you'd bean your friend upside the head with. They would take it all the way back there. And what would you play? Kickball, right? Kickball. And you would go to, can you picture yourself, okay? And you would go there, and then everybody would line up, and they would pick captains, and then everybody would pick, and it would come down to two losers, right? This is traumatic for some of you. You're like, I need counseling. Counselors afterwards, right? But you would go down, you didn't, and what, what was it, what would you, didn't, you never wanted to be, you never wanted to be one of those last two people that were picked. Can you, can you put yourself there? Uh, in some ways, and we're going to use this, uh, this kickball analogy as a metaphor all the way through the message this morning, in some ways what Jesus is asking of us in this scene in his life at, toward the end of his days with his disciples is that we would intentionally choose to be the one that was picked last. 
Now, we've been in this series, we're looking at and learning how to be like Jesus. We're trying on the practices of Jesus so that the life of Jesus could begin to be our life. Uh, If you want to be like somebody, you just do what they did. And so the first week we talked about studying the scriptures so that we could have the mind of Christ. You could think the same thoughts as Jesus. You could have the same perspectives, perspectives of Jesus. And the way you do that is you study and you meditate on and you pray about, and you apply the scriptures. Uh, and that begins to transform you. And then last week we talked about having, uh, practicing the presence of God. And that what ha- does for us is we realize that we live in a God-soaked world, and that the peace of Christ can come to us, and we could do everything in our day, including our work that we hate, for the love of God. That's someone at the first service who came in, and they said, oh, the love of God. I've been doing that all week in my office. It's so powerful. And then today we're going to look at um, what Jesus did is serving, serving people. Um, having then the attitude of Christ and how we would interact with people. Is that we would serve, serve people. Now I want to take you down the path of doing this, um, but I want to have you take you down the path of uh, the negative version of this. Uh, often I want to take you down the positive version. But have you ever thought about the price to you for not following Jesus? Maybe you've never considered that. Maybe you've never thought, okay, what, what would it mean if I didn't follow Jesus? I, I, I had a business degree, and um, in economics class, you, in economics class, they taught you about uh, what's known as opportunity cost. And whenever you buy something or whenever you do something, there's an opportunity cost that you're paying. So in other words, if you buy this house, the opportunity cost is you pass on the opportunity of buying this house. If you buy the red car, you pass on the opportunity of owning the blue car. You see what I'm saying? There is an opportunity cost to not following Jesus. Have you ever considered that for you? Now, here's what I know, is that most people, if they are not actively, intentionally following Jesus, the person that they are following most often, this is, this is most often, not, not everybody, uh, most often they are f- simply uh, following themselves, right? They're the person that they're following. I'm following me. Who are you following? Me. I'm following my, I, me. I'm, I'm pretty great. I'm following myself. Now, I know this about you. Uh, I'm not talking to you, right? Because you, you are universally kind. Uh, you are generous with your money and with your time. You always forgive when somebody does you wrong. It's just the immediate thing you do. Like, oh, let me forgive him. He's a jerk, but let me forgive him. Uh, I mean, you always choose what's right over what's convenient. Uh, you're, you're the kind of person, you sacrifice your life for the people who hate you. If it came down to, you know, someone's going to have to die, you'd go, pick me. They hate my guts, but I'm going to do it for them. That's you, right? I get that. I get that to you. Me, not so much. I'm not so much that way. I, when I'm following myself, I'm impatient, and I'm stingy, and I hold grudges, and I pick what's convenient over what's right. I have no love for the people I think did me wrong. Here's the point. At stake, if you choose not to pattern your life after Jesus, at stake is the kind of person that you become. And if you follow yourself, here's what happens when I follow me. I end up becoming the worst version of myself. Does anybody else resonate with that? This is just me. But what I have found is that when I begin to pattern my life after Jesus, 
that I become a better version of me. So we're working with this phrase all the way through the series that a Christ-like life is your best life. And if we could sit down over coffee and we could ask honest questions of each other, are you really following Jesus or are you not? What would you say? So what we're doing is we're saying, okay, well, if, if, if we're going to follow Jesus, then if Jesus says it, then we're going to do it. And if Jesus does it, then we're going to imitate it. It's like when my kids were young, especially my boys, they would do whatever I was doing. I, I, I didn't come up with this illustration until this morning, so I don't have the picture, but this picture of Corbin, my, uh, young, uh, my middle son, who, when he was probably uh, maybe three years old, and I was doing some chores around the house, and I had my tools out. And we had this picture of him, and he found uh, some safety glasses, and he put the safety glasses on. And he had the little ear uh, protectors that he, in his ears, and he'd found a little thing he put around his waist, and he had a tape measure. And, and it was all of that, and he's looking up in the camera with his binky in his mouth. And he's like, <laughs> He didn't just make that up. He didn't just decide, oh, I'll put all this stuff on. Why did he put all that on? He was imitating me. I was the person that he trusted the most. And the person he was trusting the most, he was imitating. And I'm simply saying that we're going to do that with Jesus. We're just going to imitate what he did because we trust him the most. Now, I, this would be my, my, uh, my, my rationale to you or my argument to you or my suggestion to you uh, that if you, you're not a follower of Jesus, that I would just say to you that following Jesus, actually doing what he says is best in any given circumstance, is self-authenticating. What, what do I mean by that? Well, I mean, if you do it, you find out that it actually works. It's kind of like I, I had a friend of mine that I hadn't seen in a while, and I saw him, and he was like 30 pounds lighter. And I said, dude, you look, you look great. What are, what are you doing? And he said, well, I just decided to stop eating ice cream every night. <laughs> Not eating ice cream every night is self-authenticating. It works. And if you begin to put into practice what Jesus said, say about forgiveness and love, you find out that it works. Now, if you're not actually a follower of Jesus, you put it into practice, you'll find your life get a little bit better. And then I hope what would happen is you would say, okay, well, if I can trust him with doing those things, then I can trust him with my eternity. And you would say, yeah, he really is the savior of the world. So today what we're looking at, we're looking at how Jesus served. And because he served, then we're going to serve. Now, this is how Jesus said it there in that, that passage in Matthew chapter 20. He said, uh, for me, I didn't, I didn't come to serve. I, I came to serve. Uh, I, I didn't come to be served. I came to serve and to give my life as a ransom for many. In other words, he's talking to us about the core purpose of his life. The core purpose of his life is to serve people. In other words, this is a very simple definition of serving, is that you just jump up to help. And Jesus said, in, in any circumstance in my life, I just, I'm there to help. What do you need? And then he said that I came to, to give my life as a ransom for many. The idea there is that there's a price paid to release captives. And, and what Jesus is saying is, listen, I came to release people from their bondage, from their bondage to their past and to their addictions and to the things that hurt them, that weigh them down, and, and the habits that have them stuck and the sin that they're stuck in. I came to release people from that. And the method I go about doing that is I serve them so that they find out that I'm the one that can release them. And when people were around Jesus, he was such a servant that they were compelled to say, okay, I'm going to trust him with my life, and that maybe he could release me from my bondage. Uh, there's something incredibly powerful when you serve people. I, um, when I was first a, uh, beginning to be a pastor, 
um, I would go to, I still do this, but I would go to uh, conferences, and I went to this conference, and it was put on um, by who, two guys who were at that time were probably uh, some of the, the leading um, thought leaders on church leadership and preaching, and um, if I said their names, you might know their names, but that's kind of irrelevant. Um, but they, uh, they put on this, this conference, this day and a half long conference uh, on preaching and leading, and I wanted to learn, and so I went, and somehow, I went with a friend, somehow, I don't even really know how, I don't remember, I somehow scored a ticket to, during the lunch session, the first day, to go to a lunch with these two guys, and so walked into the room, and it's this small room, and there's this small number of leaders, and I just remember being in awe, I was just awestruck by these kind of quasi-celebrity leaders that read their stuff and listened to their stuff, and I'm like, oh man, they're amazing, I wish I could be a leader like that, and I just kind of awed to the point of not even being able to talk to them, uh, and, and we sat down, and as we sat down, this older gentleman who worked for one of these, had worked for one of these guys for years, and worked with one of these guys for years, came over, and I, I can't really put it into words, his demeanor in that moment, but he came over in the most humble way, not a, not a self-debasing way, but just a very humble way, and he said, um, guys, I'm so glad you're here. I mean, I'm, I'm in my early 20s. I don't know anything. I, I'm so glad you're here. Welcome. Is there anything I can get for you? Oh, no, we're fine. Well, I just kind of put it off that he's just being nice, but he just kept up, and, and he was... To this day, one of the most servant-minded people that I've ever come across. I wish I could convey to you how it felt in the room, but something shifted for me. I left the room, and I'm there to hear from these great leaders and these people who stand on stages and talk to people, and everybody wants to be like them and be around them. And I went, you know what? If I had a choice, I think I would pick to I'd be like the guy who served, not the guys who were on the stage. Again, I, I wish I could convey the, the emotion of the, of the moment, but I think when people were around Jesus, he was like that guy. And it was so compelling to them that they said, I'd like to be like that guy. Whatever he has that enables him to be that humble and that interested in me and that for me, I'd like to be like that guy. I'd like to do that. So you'd expect then that we'd see in looking at some scenes of Jesus' life uh, how he did this for people. And we'd find out the kinds of people that he served. There's a, there's a scene in, um, in John chapter 4 where Jesus, uh, John says, had to go through Samaria. Now, you've got to understand the context. Samaria uh, was to the Jewish people. Samaritans were half-breeds. They were, there was a racial tension there. And the Jewish people looked down on the Samaritans. They hated them. They thought they were dogs. And John says that Jesus had to go through Samaria. In other words, Jesus intentionally chose to go to the place where everybody that was one of him hated those people. He goes to the place and he sits down at a well in the middle of the day and this woman comes out um, with a, a jar looking for water. And, and, and if you know the context of the story, what's going on there is she's an outcast to the people uh, in her village. And so she has to go there at a time of day when no one else is there. And there's Jesus. And in John chapter 4, the Samaritan came to draw water and Jesus said to her, will you give me a drink? Again, this is a, so freighted with meaning, you have to understand the context. Here's a, not only a Samaritan, who is a half-breed, who racially Jesus and his people hated, but this is a woman. In that day, that meant you were nothing. You were nobody. You were property. I mean, it's like a double strike. And Jesus talks to her. This is, the Samaritans and women, they, they represent the people that you just don't talk to. Like, you, you see them as 
other than you, and they're in the wrong. Now, let's take this out of the realm of, of theory, and let's put this down on the ground where you and I live, okay? You may say, I don't have any people that I think are other than me and that I won't talk to, but I, I think if you were honest, and if I was honest, we would say, yeah, I kind of do. You might say, well, if someone's from Valpo or Munster, those jerks who think they're better than us, Or if, or if you're in the union and uh, someone crossed the picket line? Don't talk to people like that. Or if you're in the union and, and someone built uh, a business with a non-union shop? I mean, we ostracize those people. Or maybe you feel like anyone who has an education thinks they're better than you. Or maybe you're the other way. Maybe you have an education, you think anyone who doesn't have an education is an ignoramus and so you just don't talk to those kinds of people. I see we all have, when we dig down a little bit, we all have those things operating underneath the surface. Now, no, I just want you to see something from the life of Jesus. You and I have those categories. What did Jesus do for people that you don't talk to? He served them. Uh, there's another scene uh, in Matthew chapter 8 where a centurion, a centurion was a uh, a Roman officer, century, a hundred, he was, uh, had a hundred men underneath him, so he had rank, he had status, he'd been in the military a long time, he was a respected person, he came to Jesus, and he said, Jesus, my servant, who would have been his right-hand man, who made everything happen for him, lies at home, he's about to die, would you please come? And so Jesus, in, John, in Matthew chapter 8, verse 7, Jesus says, well, shall I come and heal him? Now, again, it's the same story. You've got to understand the background, what's going on. The Romans are the occupying force of the Jewish people, and these people, they are the enemy. Uh, they are the people that you are supposed to hate. Now, again, let's take this out of the realm of theory, and let's put this down where you and I live. We don't want to admit it, but we have groups of people that we have s something like approximating hate for. I know I pick on this all the time, but in our day, it's political. So if you're a liberal, then you look at conservatives and you think or say things like, those people are so ignorant and so backwards. What's wrong with them? Why don't they understand that we're making progress? Or if you're a conservative, you look at someone who's liberal and you say those, and you have names that you call them, those, those snowflakes, what's wrong with them? I, again, I want you to understand what Jesus does with enemies, Okay? He serves them. He doesn't create memes about them on Facebook. Uh, then, then Mark chapter 2, uh, Mark records one of the scenes where Jesus is with the crowds. The crowds were often following Jesus, listening to his teaching. And, and in this occasion, in, in, in uh, Mark chapter 8, um, the crowds had been with Jesus, and Jesus says this about the crowds. He says, I have compassion for these people. They've been with me three days, and they have nothing to eat. And he says, go, go find them something to eat. Now, again, if you work with the public, you know what this is like, but you know that people are so needy, and they are so demanding, and they are so thankless. This, this, this represents the people who are annoying. <laughs> you got people, right? When you see them coming, you're like, oh, my gosh, I'm going over here. <laughs> I don't want to talk to that person, Right? Be honest. What did Jesus do for people who were annoying? 
He had compassion on them. And he served them. Now, it's, it's hard for us to think about being a servant in the way that Jesus was. Because there, there are things that go against the grain for us. And, and in the context of this story, this passage in Matthew chapter 20, if you, if you know the context of the story, then you see the two things primarily that go against the grain for us. And the first thing that goes against the grain for us is just us. How we perceive ourselves. What set up this, this message from Jesus about I'm a servant, I came to serve, I didn't come to be served, is James and John, two of his disciples, in Matthew's account of it, James and John come with mama, and mommy says something for her boys. Uh, in, in Mark's account of it, it's just James and John that come. I think Mark is remembering it differently than Matthew. I think Mark was probably the one who had it right. And, and, and this is what James and John come to Jesus and say. They say, Jesus... When you sit on your glorious throne, in other words, at some point you're going to throw over these, these ridiculous Romans. You're going to be in charge of all this. Uh, this is all going to be yours someday, Jesus. You're going to have a kingdom. And then they say this, we want to sit in places of honor next to you, one on your right and the other on your left. That's us, right? I don't want to be the least of these. I don't want to be the jerk who serves everybody. I want to be the person that has honor, that people defer to, that people look up to. I want to be that person. Uh, Richard Foster says it this way. He says, maybe we don't have to be first, but we definitely don't want to be last. (laughs) Nobody wants to be the person picked last at kickball. So there's us. We have to to fight against us. And then then what happens is Jesus says to James and John, he says, listen, can you you drink the cup that I'm going to drink? You know what I'm getting ready to do? And they're like, oh, yeah, we got this, Jesus. We're, We're totally good. And he says, well, let me tell you how my leadership works. Let me tell you how I do things. And so he goes on in Matthew 20, verse 25. He says, you know that the rulers of the Gentiles, they lord it over them. And their high officials exercise authority over them. See, what, what help, keeps us from serving is the way the world works is that you climb your way up the ladder and you get power over someone else. And then you exercise authority over them and you say, I'm in charge now. I'm the boss. Like, you've all had this experience, haven't you, where someone gets promoted and they become a jerk? Because that's kind of how the world works. Like, I'm in power now. Check me out. It's a, it's a rags to riches. Like, we want to go from rags to riches. And finally, we think that when we're at the top of the heap that we've somehow made it. Now, notice what Jesus says to these things that are a go against the grain inside of you and me. He says this, not so with you. Nope, not you if you follow me. No, no, we don't operate that way. It's not how it goes. So in effect, here's what Jesus is saying. If you're on the kickball field, then here's what I want you to do. I want you to intentionally pick the last place. And if you're thinking this is a rags to riches, I want you to reverse that. I want you to descend into greatness. And I want, you to go, I want you to go from riches to rags. I want you to be the servant, not the one who's on top. Because that's how I do things. I serve people. I don't lord it over people. In all of Paul's letters in the New Testament, he begins his letter by introducing himself and he has this phrase that he says over and over again about himself, how he sees himself. In Romans chapter 1, here's the example to that letter. He says this, he says, Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus. Now, where does he get that? He gets that from Jesus. 
He gets that from the disciples. And the disciples, I think, talked about a moment that happened in their experience with Jesus that, that they admired Jesus so much. And if you admire someone, sometimes they will do something that so cements itself in your memory that it's an example that stays with you all of your life. And I think they had that moment happen with Jesus because one day when they were eating a meal together, they all came into the room. And now in that day, you got to understand, they would put on their sandals, picture those, those sandals you see in movies about biblical times, right? Like your flip-flops. And you walk through the street. Well, the street was dust. Most places, in, except in a larger city, might have cobblestone streets. But even then, all the animals walked on those streets. And so you walked through some stuff. And you would sometimes get stuff on your feet. And when you would go into a public meal, there would be the person who was the slave, who was hired, who was bought, who was owned. And that person's job was not to look you in the eye or welcome you or make you feel... They're, they're, they were nothing. And so their job was to come over to you with a basin of water and take your feet. And while you talk to other people, this little peon down here would wash your feet and then go wash the other people's feet and fade off into the distance. And I think the disciples came in and they're like, where's the slave that's going to wash my feet? And they're like, I'm not going to wash anybody's feet. And the next disciple's like, I'm not washing your feet and I'm not washing your feet. And Jesus, knowing what they're thinking, in John chapter 13 pours water into a basin and began to wash his disciples' feet, drying them with the towel that was wrapped around him. In other words, Jesus cemented forever for them how I operate is I serve and I take the low spot. Um, Now, what are you going to do with Jesus' example? Uh, Are you going to take the towel, metaphorically and literally? Are you going to, the people who are other, that you don't like, that you don't talk to, the people that you hate, the people that are annoying, are you and I, are we going to intentionally choose to take the low spot? Now listen, you may say, well, people will walk all over you. Okay, well, if you automatically choose the low spot, no one can say anything to you that puts you any lower because you already picked it. (laughs) Like you chose it yourself. So I want to ask you this week, um, I want to ask you to serve this week, but I'm going to ask you to do it with a a twist. And then I want to give you a pitfall that you're going to run into as you attempt to do this over this next week. And then I want to give you uh, suggestions about how you can serve some people this week. So let me, let me explain it to you like this. There's some pitfalls because when you go to serve people, uh, what can happen is that you can, uh, you can say, well, I'm going to serve people, but I'm going to really make it about me. And so when you're serving, you're serving to get something from people. And there are multiple ways that we go about serving to get something from people. So what could happen is you could go to serve someone and you could need acknowledgement that you serve them. In other words, you need to be appreciated And so you do something for them, and you're like, I have bestowed upon you my presence and help. And you're waiting for them to say thank you back to you, and they don't say thank you back, and you're like, what's wrong with them? I helped them. (laughs) Um, Or you could need repayment, and so you, you do something for someone, and you're waiting for them to pay you back, and when they don't pay you back, you get bitter. 
Or you can choose who you'll serve. So you'll, you'll say things like, okay, well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pick the person who either is going to pay me back or they're so far beneath me in my understanding of myself that when I serve them, I want other people to see me serve this lowly person and think how great I am. <laughs> or maybe you serve people based on your mood and not your need. Like, well, I didn't, you know, I, I prayed about it and <clears throat> I didn't feel led to help them today so I went and did something else because I wasn't feeling it right then or you do it as a temporary thing it never becomes a habit or sometimes you can even serve people in an insensitive way you're doing it to kind of cross the put the cross in the box like I did it and, and it might actually be, how, as you serve them, you're actually not understanding their context and you're actually doing something that hurts them and not helps them in that moment. Or you might be uh, just breaking the relationship with somebody because what you're doing, again, it's, you're expecting, I scratch your back, now you need to. So that's serving to get. Uh, instead, what I want to ask you to do is serve to give. It's just thinking about the other person now, but here's the twist, okay? I want to ask you over the next seven days, every day, to serve some person, but I want you to, here's the twist, I want you to do it in secret. Not tell anybody about it. Not take a selfie, Instagram, hashtag, serving people, love Jesus, best. You know, I don't, no, don't do that, right? <laughs> not, not asking you to do that. <laughs> Jesus had this phrase in Matthew, he said, he said, what you, when you do something good, don't let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Now, maybe that sounds a little weird to you. All Jesus is saying is you do it in such a way that it just becomes a habit so you don't even have to think about it. Have you ever uh, driven home and you were in, going to go to the store and on your way home you forgot to go to the store and the car was just on autopilot and you ended up almost to your house? You're like, oh, I forgot, Right? Your left foot didn't know what your right foot was doing <laughs> when you were driving. <laughs> it's, it, Jesus is talking about it just becoming just a habit, so you're not even congratulating yourself. It's just, it's just what you do. And so we're going to practice to get to the point where it's just what we do. And so what we're going to do is we're going to do it in secret. We're not going to let anybody know that we're serving them. So here's some ways that you could serve, uh, serve to give. Um, you could guard someone's reputation. Someone's talking smack about somebody. And you either change the subject, you say, hey, let's not, let's not do that. Um, you could show common courtesy. You could say please. You could say thank you. You could open the door for someone, smile at them, and say, hey, have a great day. Doesn't that feel great when somebody does that for you? Uh, you could practice hospitality. You could have somebody over to your home. You could uh, buy them a meal at lunchtime or at breakfast or buy them coffee. Uh, you could buy them groceries and ditch and run, ding dong, and run off because you know they need it. You could just listen to somebody. Most of us, when we're talking, we're formulating what we're going to say next, and we're not really hearing the person. And if you just were to pause and actually listen and go, oh, wow, what was that like? That feels like love. You could shoulder burdens. You could take on someone's hurts and pains. You could encourage somebody, like, you got this. Encourage means you put courage in somebody. You could meet someone's basic needs. They might need a meal or their oil changed or they just don't, can't get to mow their lawn and you mow their lawn or they need an errand run and you know it. And, hey, I was just out and I got this for you. But we're going to do it in secret. 
unless we, someone absolutely has to know for some reason, we're just going to do it together for the next seven days in secret. So here's what I'm going to ask you to do. I'm going to, uh, in a minute, we're going to pray, and we're going to do the blessing, and then down here are all these uh, cut-up towels. And only if you mean it, okay? Only if you mean it. When we're done, I want you to walk up here. I want you to take one of these towels, put it somewhere that means something to you, and, and every day, God, I'm offering myself today as I take this towel. I'm going to serve somebody today. Put someone in my path. Put someone in my path today that I can serve in your name. And we're going to find out that the way of Jesus is self-authenticating. We're going to go, I liked how I felt when I did that in secret, and they didn't know. I liked that I got to help her, and she, I saw, I saw from a distance that it made her cry. You're going to like it. I promise you, you're going to like it. Because serving and being generous and giving, man, it's great. So I'm going to pray. I'm going to invite you to stand with me if you would. And then we're going to do the blessing. And then if you're serious, I want you to take a towel. Let's pray. Jesus, thank you that you served us, that you served us to the point of laying your life on the cross for us. We were your enemies. We were against you. We were for ourselves. We didn't care about you. And you died for us anyway. You served us in that way. You laid yourself aside. And you took up our cause. So we say thank you for that. We're not doing this to earn your love. We have it because of what you've done for us. And so we want to serve you as a response. And we want, to, we want to be people who do what you did. Have your approach to things. Have your perspective on things. And so this week, as we serve people in secret, you're going to reveal yourself to us. We're going to find out how beautiful it is to serve and to meet people's needs. We're going to find out that you made us for that. And so we, right now, we willingly choose the low spot. We think about our workplace. We think about our schools. We think about the circles that we run in. And as we think about them, we intentionally choose the low spot. Because we're doing it in your name. For you. For the people that you love so much. Knowing that as we do that, that you find people in that and then you release them from their bondage. So we want to be a part of that in your name, Jesus. So here we are. We offer ourselves to you to serve in secret. So we pray this. I'm looking forward to what you will do in our hearts and minds this week. And everybody who wanted that said, amen. Well, you're sent now to love God, to love people by serving them. And you're sent to serve the world in Jesus' name. Hug someone, tell them you love them. Take a towel if you're serious.